shall we talk about some new tunes? We should do that. This is Tripping Balls, a music podcast where we listen to new music. And this week, we actually are listening to new music instead of music from 30 years ago. Um, I thought we should probably, there's a few reflections on, because we did it last week, uh, listeners, for those who missed it, we did a, a draft of our top 10 albums of 1994. Um, and it struck me that, that we're not a nostalgia podcast. In fact, we're the opposite of that. We're fighting against the idea that, you know, you turn 30 and all you do is listen to the same fucking, you know, 20 albums that, that you that you fell in love with between the ages of teenage and, and 25, because that's what most people do. Yeah. Um, we're kind of fighting against that. But what I was struck by in the realisation when I was listening, doing the listening for the, the 94 episode was that, I think I like the stuff that we've discovered in the podcast more than the stuff that were my hero albums of the of my teenage years. I I, I really think I could put that the, the, my favourite albums of the last couple of years: the Zar Faces, the Bobby Lee's, the Bob Villains, the No Bros. Um, apart from you know big legacy acts like ACDC and, and the Hives, which you know are difficult because they were there, they were then there and they're here now, sort of thing. But I, I I've got a stronger affection for the stuff that we're discovering now than I do for. Um, the stuff that was important to me as a teenager. Um, I'll quite often go to, well, I don't know whether you can call them parties at our age, but gatherings at other people's places, and I sort of feel like, can you guys put some new music on? Yeah. <laughs> like, and and uh, in a really gentle way, I try to evangelise for new tunes. Yeah, um, but people kind of look at you like you're some kind of weird novelty act. You're, yeah. you're like the person who's just come back from a foreign country. You're like, oh, that's, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, with the, with Interesting, you've discovered yeah. a world that I can never, I can never <laughs> visit. The visit the world of music that wasn't released while I was at university. But but you're right. Like we we did like a whole week of listening to to ninety four albums. Yeah. And quite often when I listen to new music, and I and that Chase and Status album is a perfect example where I'm really into it. It, it will sort of bleed into the next week's new music, right? It'll still get a run because I'm like, oh, I just, want, I just want to hear that banger track, or you know, I want to hear that that sort of section of the album. I didn't listen to any '94 stuff this week, <laughs> other than the background on the pod when I re-listened to the pod. I listened to um, some '94 acts just because they had um, legacy new music, out. New music yeah. stuff that I, that weren't, wasn't going to make the podcast. So I thought I should probably do um, uh, edit it a quick. I, I think I, I'm going to bring in an occasional thing, which is. Um, I'm not sure what to call it, but it's like it's like condensed reviews, you know, like like the condensed games on NBA.com, yep. you know, where they, they just show you like all possessions, like the so but all possessions review. It's just I haven't listened to the whole album, but I haven't bezoed it. I have listened to every track at least part of the way through. I'm um, just not going to talk about them for ten minutes. Well, yeah, and it's just sort of I I know enough to be able to to tell you what the album was like, and it's it's the ones that I, I don't think are actually going to be worth playing on the podcast, but I feel like I need to go and listen to them. Um, so was that the Green Day album? Well, it was the Green Day album. That was also the Slater Kinney album, and I suspect you probably did the same thing for the Kid Cudi album. But going back to the point about 1994, I wonder if it'll be different when we get to a year that happened when I was there, if that makes sense. Because 94 was kind of a combination of stuff I experienced in 1994 and 1994 albums that I experienced in the rest of the 90s. If we get, Once we get to a year where like some of my all-time favourite albums come from, like yeah, say 2002 – when we get to an in period yes. where we listen to all of the top 10 were discovered in period. That's yes. going I mean, to be interesting. Like, yeah. like 2002, or two, no, 1998 or 2002 or something. Assuming we, the podcast and the earth, make it to 2032. Um, <laughs> we, we, that like, might be a different sounds, story. 
That sounds preposterous, doesn't it? But then what year did we start this podcast in? 2015. It's a a long time ago. Yes. (laughs) I did not think we would still be going in 2024, that's for sure. Well, I I don't don't think about these things. We're going to have to do a 10-year anniversary episode. Holy shit. Actually, this is our 10th. I hadn't realised that this is our 10th season. Yeah. 15 wasn't a full year because we started kind of – Aprily with the with the album reviews, April May. But um, this is going to be our the end of the year will be our tenth top ten. Uh, sorry, our tenth top five, our tenth album of the year. Yeah, so, right. Um, That's full on. Anyway, I don't think either of these three albums going to be on my top five. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. Sure. <laughs> what do you want to start? Let's start. Uh, Come on, we've no, got to talk. No, we've got to cover all of them. Let's start with Sprints. We'll start with Sprints. It was the one that you picked. Yeah, I, I didn't mind this. I just, you know, when you when you get hot chips and there's just not quite. <laughs> Is this enough. a Butterfingers reference? Did you get some scallops? <laughs> the, the, that's that's uh, that's the herd. Um, uh, what did what did Butterfingers do? They they, they uh, did a, they did a food thing as well, didn't uh, they? Uh, work's always the one that I I remember Butterfingers for. I'm sure they did, they did a takeaway food one as well. There was a bit of a takeaway food demarcation dispute. That'll make a lovely, lovely bed for the for the podcast. It's not um, going to be in there because we have to talk about sprints. We have to have a fraught, angular, shouty, visceral, garage punk, question mark, um, Irishness in there. Irish Indianness. It, it just didn't feel like it was season enough. Like all the bits were there, right? It, the, the guitars, the vocal sound was really cool. The music... Sounded great. I, I, I don't. I, sounded I don't know. There was great. Just, it, it, I don't know. It just didn't move me. There just wasn't that that little bit of spiciness that that got me going. I just I, I cannot put my finger on it because it, it felt I like a re- it. no. I'll tell you what it was. It felt like relentless abuse. You know, because Irish indie rock can be a mixed bag. You can have your Fontaines DCs and your people like that who are. In general, they all feel like they need a bit more sun because they always seem really fraught and angry and upset and things are going horribly wrong uh, at all times. And this has got that element too. I mean, it, the songwriting's admirable and the and the, the sentiment and the passion behind it is admirable, but it's not enjoyable. It feels like it's you're being berated by somebody who's well yes. off their medication for a good hour that's, and the album's only 39 minutes long. That's probably it. But they're, they're constantly making threats of suicide and all kinds of stuff. And it's like... Chill, I only just met you. What the fuck? You know? Just yeah. wind your neck in a little bit. The other thing is that I, I kind of objected to the idea that these guys, they're called garage punk, and I'm like... Nah, garage yeah, rock, They're not maybe. punk. They're not garage. I don't know what they... No, they're I felt indie. For sure, indie, but... Definitely um, I mean, garage punk, I kind of say, you know, does this fit anywhere between, like, Bobby Lee's and the blues explosion? No. And not really. No. no. Maybe no, there no. were bits of Bobby Lee's and some other stuff, because, you know, they... they mm. Anger and, and you know the visceral nature of some of the stuff on on Bellevue, like, but like homeopathic Bobby Lee. It, yeah, it, it certainly didn't move me the same way Bobby Lee did. It, it didn't, you know, like make me want to put on my headphones and turn it up. Like this was the opposite, right? I was, if anything, I was turning it down because of the assault. Because the, someone having a mental breakdown on audio is not, it's, you know, it's a little bit... Confronting. I mean, this will be incredibly relatable to somebody, but I'm fucking glad I'm not that person. Yeah, I don't think either. It's not... We're not the target audience, maybe. No, we're not. But um, 
it did. It reminded me of, of Fontaine's DC because they've also got that element to them. That kind of very that other Dublin band. Um, that kind of it, everything just feels like the worst maybe, thing in the world. Maybe shit's just not going that well in Ireland. I don't think it is. I think after the, the Celtic Tiger economy thing, it, it hasn't gone that well. But it's constantly raining and everyone's vomiting in the streets, so it's not. It's not great. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple of good tracks on it, but it wasn't. Um, yeah, it, it, it wasn't one that I'm going to be revisiting next month, let alone at the end of the year. Uh, it's still on my long list, but only because it's the album that created the long list and I need it there until I can put something else on the long it's list. Because the list is currently three albums <laughs> by definition. Yeah. So, um, it, uh, also on a list of some description is The Smiles Wall of Eyes, which is uh, Tom York and Johnny Greenwood and... It's described as a supergroup, and I don't think you can call it that if nobody's heard of the fucking drummer. So, but apparently, you know, supergroup, the smile, um, and this is this is kind of ethereal and twinkly and jangly, and there's bits of African rhythms in it, um, but it's largely adult contemporary uh, whimperings. Tom York, go and find some different types of musicians that aren't this bullshit. <laughs> Aren't just depressed people who. Have, this is, I suppose this is what happens when you think of the the clinically depressed fuckwit who was behind late Radiohead. You know this this incredibly guy who wanted to neck himself that that was that was the clear uh, protagonist of all of late Radiohead. It was the character. You know, the, I'm not saying this was Tom York, but I'm saying that the voice of Radiohead was was someone who really wanted to feed himself to a wood chipper. It's like that guy has finally settled into a into into his fifties into a reliable regime of antidepressants and staying off social media and not getting triggered and and just just taking buckets of meds and just being really hemmed in and controlled and he's got it control and his the amplitudes of his emotions are much lower and that's kind of the impression i get from this album there's not a lot of expressivity it's all happening in a very kind of narrow emotional space except for the last two minutes of being hectic where suddenly it explodes into what sounds like fucking Radiohead, distorted, loud, angular guitars. I'm like, where the fuck did this come from? And it's almost like somebody, somebody who's heavily pinned in by, um, by antidepressants having a sudden psychotic break. And it was the only interesting thing on the album. Everything else was just kind of washed past me. I mean, there was some stuff. I read the room's all right. Under Our Pillows is all right. Um, but it was just this kind of flare of distortion and spark just, just made, it was interested me. Um, because, I mean, I was starting to call this album Wall of SSRIs because it really felt like he was on such heavy fucking antidepressants. Um, but it was just this moment where he actually, you know, exploded into life and then I mean, just as quickly died back down again. Look, I quite, like, I definitely have much more of a penchant for their, this sort of um, slow, droney vocal you know, like like you said, mildly sedate. Like that sort of vocal appeals to me. But you can't then match that with a mildly sedated band. You, you have to have some contrast. Now that contrast might be really deep beats. It might be, like you said, some real smash guitar that sort of like explodes out and go, you know, growls and comes back down. But it's got to be some light and shade. You can't have the same note from the band and the vocalist at the same time with this sort of stuff. You can't have Landjack piano crooning. I mean, this, this fucking... This, <sighs> Alex Turner has a fucking lot to answer for that with this, this bringing back Landjack piano crooning for no reason. Um, but, I mean, the whole thing, it's definitely kind of adult contemporary. 
It's self-serious to the point of punishing. I don't think Tom York has ever had a laugh in his life. I'm not saying I hate it. I don't mind it, but I'm certainly not seeking out opportunities for repeat play. And I reckon there'll be all the washed, fake deep dudes who, who claim to love Radiohead, late Radiohead, you know, in the 90s and, and 2000s are going to pretend to love this. Luckily, I'm not. I've never pretended to be deep, so, you know, I'm, I'm, it's never going to be me. Um, the fucking... The, the most on on the nose story I heard about this was that the the track "Bending Hectic," which is this one that that takes six minutes to get out of bed, much like most aging Gen Xs. Um, the, the the key track on the album was first performed at the Montreux Jazz Festival because, of course, it was. They were performing as a three piece at the fucking jazz festival at Montreux. Montreux, as in the place in um, Geneva where the uh, where this uh, where this jazz festival is, as as in Smoke on the Water. The opening line of Smoke on the Water is we all went down to Montreux on the Lake Geneva shoreline. That's the same place. It's where this big jazz festival is, where, where you know, rock acts used to perform. Um, anyway, I still don't get why it's a super group, because no one's heard of the third dude. This is basically just radio, radio forehead, radio forehead, <laughs> radio brainstem, radio bit of the head, mini transistor head. I don't know. Uh, the sort of people who it, like this are the sort of people you want to avoid. It, uh, just... Like, go and find a, an electronic music producer with some interesting stuff to do. Like, I don't know, for, format's not a good example, but, but go and find someone with some in- interesting stuff to match to your voice. Like, you can record this vocal and then go and give it to someone that's going to give you a counterpoint to that vocal. Um, I guess I mean... Yeah, I don't, I don't know if there is one. I don't think Droney Depressed um, Tom York has a counterpoint. Trip Hop, maybe? Like it could work with trip hop. Not even, um, not even trip hop people want to make trip hop anymore. I know this is this is one of your issues is that you know you, you can't find anybody to make you trip hop. Even Beth Gibbons doesn't want to make trip hop. She released this long statement about her new solo album is going to come out, but she, it's not going to be trip hop, and she doesn't want it to have breakbeats and stuff because she doesn't want to. Uh, you, as you get older, you resist the. I think it was the easy sugar rush of high frequency noises or something. It was one of the most bizarre things I'd ever read. It's like. What, you're just going to have a whole bunch of low droning because you're old? Is that what this means? Or just high noises make your ears hurt because you're old? Uh, All right. Talk to me about Ty Siegel. It's a Ty Siegel album. Um, It is a bit more reflective and rounded. It's not just the fuzzball thrashers that he's known for, which is a shame because I love his fuzzball thrashers. Um, I would have liked a lot more thrashing in this. Yeah, please. I did too. This was a this was a journey, and it is meant to be a bit more reflective and rounded. It's it is quirky and interesting. He he can write a good song. Um, he can build stuff that's quite reflective and then peel into a blistering riff. There's um, we we are often a, a recurring theme on this podcast is Doc Reed's bios. This is this week in Doc Reed's Bandcamp album blurbs. Um, a 15-song cycle that takes a journey to the centre of the self. Ty's been on this kind of trip before, so he's souped up a vehicle that's all his own, a sophisticated machine, to take us there this time. The conception of Three Bells arcs, rainbow-like, into a land nearly beyond songs. But inside of them, Ty relentlessly pushes the walls further and further in his writing and playing to cast light into some of the most opaque depths. The only reason that I'll excuse that is that it wasn't written by Andrew Stockdale. It was written by his missus. Because Danae Siegel is a co-writer on half the album. She appears on some of it. And I think it's really cute that he's found somebody who wants to go on it, go with him on this journey. 
Um, it's like the happiest, the happiest timeline Kurt Cobain and Kurt, Courtney Love kind of thing. Um, she's on everything. He's written a song about her. Um, she does vocals on stuff. It's um, it's it's rather cute, and, and it's nice that and she clearly wrote the bio for him. And we all need somebody who believes in us like that. Um, <laughs> but I was inter- I enjoyed the journey. But in terms of the songs that I I like, um, there might be maybe five out of the fifteen. So it's it's not it's not an album of the year consideration. But it was at least interesting and it passed the time. Uh, I found this like a headache slowly developing. It was just way too jangly and, I don't know, uncoordinated for me. It was <laughs> it was a bit all over the place. Like the, Particularly the first couple of tracks were extremely song cycle You know, they were extremely... The, the six-minute track that has, like, multiple movements within it. Um, and I think that's a bit... A bit slightly grand. There, there is a, a cluster of stuff, like from track three onwards, that are much more nailed down. Yeah. yeah, and it's kind of yeah, this fucking. I really get the group, but tr- more trad Siegel grooves. But um, yeah, there's probably I don't know. This is an hour long, and there's probably a, a, a really good 25 minute EP and a pretty good 40 minute album in here. Um, but. Is the problem when you when your wife is there telling you, "Yeah, this all rules." Um, you're not going to uh, you're not going to delete too much of it, particularly if she's written half the songs. All right, let's let's move on to some new stuff. I didn't actually listen to the Kid Cudi album this week. Well, um, should I do I'm, my? I'll do my um my my yeah, review, my all, all possessions reviews, my Bezod reviews. Uh, the new Green Day album sucks. Uh, <laughs> it's post American idiot cabaret pop punk with heavy dollops of of kind of slogging through mud, power cord, shitty late Weezer. That's the thing that really struck me is this sounded more like a fucking shitty late Weezer album than a Green Day album. It absolutely lacks and it badly misses the pace and the sneer of, of their 90s albums like Dookie Through to Nimrod. I suppose we should be thankful it's not a rock opera about Trump, but it's it sucks, man. There's nothing on here that's worth listening to. I know um, Anthony listened to it, and he, he said, look, all the songs sound the same. And he, what he failed to add was that, and that same sucks, because it does not sound like – it sounds like basically everything Green Day's done since probably about 20 years ago has been shit because they stopped being a little bit like Metallica. Metallica were a, th- were a thrash band, and then they, they stopped being that, and they needed to do more of that. And uh, there, there isn't anywhere near that kind of snotty attitude um, – on this uh, on this Green Day album, so avoid avoid that. Um, and I'll also listen to the Slater Kinney album, and that sucks too. But it sucks less. And I was slightly surprised by how little it sucked because it's definitely their best album since No Cities to Love. So it's their best album since they wrote Janet Weiss out of their out of their bio and out of their history, which was a shitty. It sounds like the way that that happened was really shitty. Um, it helps that they actually that their touring drummer is on this and plays a lot and plays prominently. That's the thing that, that was missed in the last couple of albums, I think, was that they the drumming sucked in the last couple of albums. And often with the St. Vincent stuff, they were just using drum machines and shit. This feels like Slater Kinney, uh, which the last couple of albums haven't. It's not peak Slater Kinney, but it feels a lot more like what they should sound like than um, than anything they've done for a lot for a, a, at least since twenty fifteen. But it still kind of sucks. So, um, you know, check it out if you have to. All right. Well, 
I thought I would pair the Kid Kid Cudi album. I sort of held it over this week when I was looking for new stuff because I'm going to go with a classic. Well, okay, I'm going to say they're classic, but that's just because that's how they're um, presenting themselves. But a a classic London drum and bass album called London Sound by Sigma. I did see this. Yes. I, I almost mm. brought it to your attention, so it's good to see that you the neural link, the the fucking the Elon Musk <laughs> trip is, is sending signal correctly. Um I do, however, just this is not a joker, but I just want you to have a look at uh an album by where is it? I think they're called Seven 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 or Flyboy Jack. I don't know what I think the album's called Seven Seven Seven. Have a crack at that bio if you want to. If you want to, re- I'm, I'm still trying to add Sigma to the fucking playlist. Give me a moment. Good if lord, you sir. Want, if you want a a, uh, a Dockery bio special, Flyboy Jack is your is your band. The only Seven 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 I can find is a song by Bruno Mars and Anderson Park off the Silk, Silk Sonic album. No, that's Flyboy Fly Jack. Jack album. 20, it's a 2023. Yeah, I'm not. That's why I'm not going to pick it. But I, I was, oh, oh, that's why you're not going to pick it for no other reason. They're holding guns and a katana yep. in their picture. And let's have a look here. Jesus Christ. Okay. I think I think I need to do the fucking um, Hollywood voiceover guy from the 80s. Kind yeah, of that's right. Maybe you should just- Ancient scripture told of a man, a myth, a legend, who wielded the mic like it was attached to the back of his penis. I mean, a weapon. His words, <laughs> razor sharp, could he create unhealable worlds. Wounds, his flow unassailable, his beats incorruptible. In 2021, he's reincarnated in the form of two men, Jordan Dennis... What? You can't be Jordan Dennis. <laughs> and Jujo, who is not a Jew and is not called Joe. A creative yin and yang who together represent perfect deadly harmony. This year, all caps, Flyboy Jack cometh like an ancient unforgiving plague. We already had one of them, you cunts. And they're taking no prisoners. The legend ignited by pain is still going. Personified through the art of war, wrathful with a vengeance, but greatness intended. By divine intervention, then Flyboy Jack, who was risen, a samurai magnified by a gunslinger specialized in vibrational artillery, fighting style of the hip-hop dimension. The nature of monkey was irrepressible. I read that and I was like, is this the, like, intro to a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. <laughs> What's going on? It, it, feels, it feels like badly translated monkey. Um, but, but they're your problem. This is your problem. The most listeners are in Sydney. The second most listeners are in Melbourne. The next most listeners are in Brisbane. These are your people. Oh, is this an Australian band? Surely not. I mean, either that or they have a weirdly, a weirdly interested Australian audience. Oh, they do have a zine called Fuck Flyboy Jack. Which I think is probably appropriate. They they have a cassette tape you can buy. Yes. <laughs> um, who the fuck a Flyboy Jack? I think that's kind of the point. Yeah. Uh, all, all their prices are in Australian dollars, so they're definitely your problem. Wow. How the mighty have fallen. Australian hip hop. Stand the fuck up. Um, Joker. Uh, um, no, I need to go to their website and figure this out. Flyboyjack.com. <laughs> they have a bunch of just dreadful cunts. In, a, in some sort of alleyway. The combination of time and patience, blood, sweat, and destiny magnetise our two protagonists. Fuck, I can't stand this. This feels like it's been it's been 
translated and back translated. So who are these cunts and where are they from? Oh, no, 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 no. Very long. Oh, dear. No, 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 no. <laughs> Fucking. They're working in a 7-Eleven in Dubbo. No idea. <laughs> no, I've had enough. I, I, I wish. Can I? I'd invent this from my mind. I don't want to know anymore. Well, well, what Tell me more about to- Australian Help Up and how great it is. Uh, I've sort of given up a little bit, to be honest. Yeah, because you listen to too many punk bands. Yeah, that's true. Um, what have you got that is new? I might go for the new album by Courting, who are a uh, UK indie band who did some interesting singles and they were about to have an album come out and I think they held off on it and now they've got another album. Now their album has dropped. But they reckon it's a bit of a different feel from what they originally planned. So I'm interested to see what it's like. Um, I was just checking whether I had a Joker or not. Not that I'm convinced that I've earned the Joker, but anyway. No, I'm pretty pretty sure you haven't. Either. <laughs> uh, what have I got in terms of Jokers? It's a bit. Did we do the vaccines? This is the vaccine someone oh, we've done that, No, we've done. We did one of their albums years ago, and it was it was meh. And um, yeah. uh, that was one that Anthony listened to earlier in the year, and he said it was shit. So I'm okay. disinclined. Um, Andy Cooper's just dropped another thing, but I think it's like a <laughs> he's dropped another one. Clean up after him. Um, but yeah, I, so think it, I think I think it's got, instrumentals. You've got another. You've got another thirty second review this week. Cooler Shaker's got a new album out. No, I'm not. I can't be fucked with that. We could we could do a bit of Lee Scratch Perry. I'm very I did see that, on like, like the microphone, and then I'm gone. That's got to be that's got to be a greatest hits though, surely. No, it's new, but I reckon okay. we have done we have done like these old like um, yeah, and, and that sucked. So I'm I'm disinclined. The other one I was going to throw there was a, a band called Wolves of Glendale, which is a tenacious D style comedy rock band from LA, who Jack Black have okay. said positive things about. Um, that, that, that sounds interesting, at least. The the jokes could be shit, but um, I I heard one track that was about you know trying to get free samples at Costco. So <laughs> the only only other one that jumped out at me, which is a bit of a, uh, a legacy band, is Jay Mascus has a yeah I saw that the Dinosaur Junior guy, and I thought well yeah. you know you you kind of know what that's going to give you. Yeah, I I, I agree. It's going to just be off brand, not quite as good Dinosaur Junior. <laughs> And I already Philip feel the pain of everyone. Philip Glass solo. Oh, God. <laughs> Philip Glass could kiss my ass. January, February is rough, dude. It's a bit grim. It really is. There's a lot of stuff that's going to drop on the first, so we just have to make it through to the end of February. We'll be all right. Wow. Co- Kanye West and Ty Dolla Sign. Yeah, I did see that. I was like, oh, wow. Jesus. We found someone to hang out with. Uh, and there's, yeah, there's really not that much... Come on, I guess I'm just going to have to go through all the band names I don't know and see if there's anything decent. Probably shouldn't have given it away. Might end up going back and listening to that Slater Kitty up. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. We'll survive. All right, Doc. Good to be back into it. Look, that wasn't a bad first week. We've definitely had worse. Ge- worse. No, that was it. Was it was a bunch of three out of five albums. There are albums that you wouldn't turn off, um, yep. but you wouldn't you wouldn't get seek out. There was definitely no bezoing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a. I won't say I liked the the Ty Siegel, but I had affection for it, uh, and you know, I'd, it you put it on and it just had it happens in the background. Um, but you know, it's not something I'm going to seek out. Yep. But what I'm going to seek podcast. out now is another beer. So um, 
let's wrap this up so we can get on with our lives. Cool. Catch you, Doc. Thank you. Good night. Cheers. Yeah. I shouldn't. I shouldn't drink this before I have to talk. Just snacking, and then I'll be ready to go. Stop scraping your shoes on the fucking microphone, you weirdo. I'm just snacking, I said. I wasn't listening then. Wish you could open multiple Spotify windows. I don't think you can. Uh, Not with multiple different logins, if that's what you want. No. You could open the app and the... And in in browser, if you wanted to, I suppose. Mm. How's the background sound tonight? Uh, it's quite crickety. Mm. But it's not windy. It's a pity we're not leaving this in the episode because some people go in for this ASMR. When <laughs> we drinking my beer, I'm very hungry. <sighs> It's a real thing, hey. Well, ASMR. Mm. Yeah. Just YouTube generally. It always amazes me that the um I find that a lot of those um like occasionally you trip over into Instagram reels. Mm. And it's amazing the crap that's in there. But I, I most recently I've been starting to get um cooking ones where they do like sped up stuff, but it's very ASMR y. Like it's they've turned the mic right up. So they're oh, kind right. of tenderizing some chicken with like by forking it, and, you're the, and, like, and all the all the making of it, even even the eating, it's very um, it's very very ASMR forward, if you like. But what I'm glad is that <laughs> there was a moment there where Instagram reels, and I never used Instagram reels. And I don't follow any influence or bikini models or anything like that. But I go on a Instagram Reels and, like, two videos in, it would be some chick jiggling up and down in a bikini. I'm like, that's great, but I don't understand how you think I want this because there's nothing else in my fucking algorithm full of racing shit and beer shit. And how are you just assuming I reckon this dude's a dude? So, therefore, let's just chat tits at him and see if he lingers. Yeah, so you'd think I'd be more likely to get that because a lot of the stuff that I look at is uh, like- Chicks' asses. Well, yoga, mobility. Yeah. And at least 50% is dudes with their shirts off and at least 50% is women. Well, you think they they might assume the other way, a lot of of package work. Yeah. Uh, I get get a pretty pretty even 50-50 split of undressed men and women in my feed, so there you go. You shouldn't have an even 50-50 split because, you know, which side are you dressing on? <laughs> this, this this is your your intro to the balls, tripping balls episode. Something. No, it can't be because of all that fucking ASMR <laughs> shit you did at the start. This is an outro of anything. <laughs> <laughs>